What is Whammy? What are the similarities and differences between the University of Utah School of Medicine and the Whammy program? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Dr. Mary Baranaga, Dean at the University of Washington Whammy program in Idaho. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. All right. Welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I've got a great guest today. I have Dr. Mary Baranaga. Hello, Mary. Uh, Dr. Baranaga. Hi, man. <laughs> Dr. Chan, I mean. Um, and so, Dr. Baranaga, uh, you are in charge of Whammy in Idaho. Well, first of all, let's start off. What is Whammy? So WAMI is W-W-A-M-I. So it stands for a five-state um, partnership, Washington, Wyoming, Alaska, Montana, and Idaho, that was um, created about 42 years ago um, with those states and the University of Washington to um, create a regional medical education program for the citizens of those states. Awesome. And how long have you had this position? I've been in this position almost four years. Four years. So so you must have seen a lot of growth and changes in the Whammy program here in Idaho. Can you tell us about some of those? Yeah. Well, you know, I actually went through the Whammy program myself many years ago. And so, um, you know, I would see the, say the biggest change is that there's a huge amount of community-based clinical training sites. So um, when I went back through in the caveman days, um, you know, for example... When they had I, one antibiotic exactly, called penicillin. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, Idaho just had two or three sites where students could do clerkships. And, and now we've got what we call an Idaho track. So students can come and do the majority of their third and fourth year um, within the state if they choose. Um, another big component of the Whammy program is that student have, students have access to training sites throughout the whole five-state region. And so with the growth that Idaho's had, the other states have also had very similar growth. So it's really this huge smorgasbord of clinical opportunities that can, students can have. They can be in a quaternary care center in Seattle and see you know, um, really high acuity stuff, or they can be in a more community-based setting and have more one-on-one with their attendings and not have to be the third or fourth learner in a row to touch a patient. So. Awesome. So it sounds like it's a five-state agreement. Uh, residents of those states apply the WAMI program, and there's a certain allotment of positions for each state. Exactly. And what is Idaho up to? Idaho, with our incoming 2014 class, will have 30 Idaho students per class. Excellent. And that's uh, really grown the past few years, correct? It is, yeah. yeah. For the first 40 years, um, Idaho had 20 or fewer seats per year. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1972, when Whammy started, Idaho had four, had 20 seats per class. And then in the late 80s, the legislature cut the number of seats um, down to 15, and it took almost 20 years to get back up to that. So, yeah, so 2000, with our 2013 class, the class size was increased from 20 to 25, and with this incoming 2014 class, we'll have 30 students per year. So, yeah, it's, we've had big-time growth in a very short amount of time, which is fabulous. But awesome. we still need more. Awesome. So, um, so you know, like I've been up here at the summit. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of Idaho students are very interested in WAMI as well as the University of Utah School of Medicine. What does WAMI look for in applicants? What are kind of the things you look for in applications when people apply to your program? So first of all, you've got to be an Idaho state resident. So that, that's that, the, that always helps. Yeah, so that's if out you're of not shoot. Idaho, you're out of luck. Exactly, okay. exactly. Um, you know, and I would say that there's not really a perfect recipe to ensure that you'll get into medical school, but I would say we look for someone who's very well-rounded. We're not necessarily looking for all 4.0 students. 
um, who have only dedicated their lives to academics, but we want to know that somebody um, has great people skills. We want to know that someone um, has leadership skills, good communication skills, compassion, and empathy. And so we really look for what else has this person done besides being successful in academics. So that could be taking a look, what sorts of activities have they involved with during college, such as um, serving in a leadership position in a um, a, a pre-med organization, um, or even what, what do they do that benefits other people, such as service activities, volunteering mm. for hospice, that sorts of thing. If those activities have something to do with the medical profession, that's even more of a bonus. So mm-hmm. we look for people who, who have interests outside of medicine as well, too. Excellent. I mean, it sounds very similar to what the University of Utah School of Medicine looks for. We're looking for well-rounded applicants. Uh, we're pretty upfront with our criteria. It's almost exactly the same as you mentioned. Obviously, MCAT or GPA. Um, and then leadership, um, community service, uh, shadowing physicians, being exposed to different types of patients, like hospice. I love that. I love that. Um, and so, uh, you know, how many applicants do you get to the WAMI program for Idaho? And then how many are, do you interview? So this past interview season, um, so which was 2014, I think we had about 158 applica- applicants um, for our 30 spots. Um, and we usually interview approximately 70 to 80 students per season. Um, so it's it, we do our interviews um, in Idaho and mm-hmm. in Seattle. Uh, so students can actually choose where they interview. Um, I know you mu- must get asked a lot. Does it matter? Where they interview, does it have any it bearing? Doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. And it also doesn't matter if you get the first week of interviews or the second week of interviews. There's no plan to mm-hmm. weed out people, you know, based on when or where you interview. So it's it really doesn't matter. Excellent. And, you know, if someone writes in their application, Dr. Baranaga, like, oh, I want to... I want to go serve in a rural Idaho community. Does that benefit them in the process in any way? I would say that... Um, we are pretty good at weeding through um, personal statements. And if somebody is really passionate about, for example, serving in a rural place, that's something that we would definitely explore in the interview. But it's not going to get you into medical school by mm-hmm. saying that. Yeah. And we get, we get that a fair amount at the University of Utah School of Medicine as well, where people, I think, put things in their application that they think the committee wants to hear and I always tell people, you know what, you got to back up your words with actions. So if you're telling me you want to go practice in a small rural Utah community, you'd better actually have some experience either volunteering or doing some type of uh, activity in that area to show us that you are actually committed to this and not just saying that. So Absolutely. Our admissions committee um, folks are physicians from Idaho who live you know, throughout the state. And, um, and so, yeah, exactly. If somebody made that statement during interview, the follow-up question would be, well, tell us about your experiences in a rural underserved town and how have, how has that made you decide you want to practice there? So absolutely. Anything that's in your application is fair game for a question. And I really, my, my recommendation to somebody would be, is it be as sincere about the things you're interested in? Um, because we're really good at weeding through BS. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Very true. I can say that for you, Utah, as well. All righty. So, uh, you know, and you mentioned the interview day. What's an interview day like at, at Whammy? What, what is, I mean, is it, is it one-on-one interviews or is it, is it um, MMI, multiple mini-interview, or is it group interviews? What does that look like? At this point, we are not doing MMI. We are doing um, panel interviews. So it, it's one applicant with three interviewers. Um, we um, typically interviews are about 30 minutes in duration. 
we have Idaho physicians that are doing the interviews. Um, and uh, stu- applicants seem to really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time, University of Washington had this reputation of having very um, harsh, um, unfriendly interviews. And I think over the past several years, um, our admissions dean has worked really hard to change that around and make sure that people feel like they're in a safe um, and friendly environment. And we hear that from applicants who've gone through an interview that, wow, this wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I also think that it's definitely in the applicant's um, favor to have more than one person in the room when you interview because sometimes if you are on a one-on-one interview and if you don't hit it off with the person who's interviewing, you know, that's that's one strike against you. But if you're in a, in a group interview, um, there's more people to, to hear your responses. And I've often seen people, quote, saved, you know, mm-hmm. by having more than one person in the room to hear. So I, I think that applicants like it and I think it's definitely in the, in the applicant's favor to have more than one person in the room. That's great. And just talk about the future of Wyoming because I know you have some exciting programs. I mean, I think you have a program dedicated to, to med students are pretty serious about uh, giving back to the rural community. Can you tell, talk more, more about that, Dr. Baradonker? Yeah, or? in 2013, um, we um, brought a program called Trust, which is the targeted rural underserved track to our Idaho um, cohort. It was started in Montana in 2008, and then Washington came on board. And so Idaho is the third whammy state to bring this on. And so this, we actually do a targeted admissions um, process with this, where students apply to their general class, but they also apply for one of these five trust positions per class. Um, Basically, in a nutshell, trust is linking one student who has an interest in rural and or underserved um, careers um, with one rural or underserved community in Idaho. And that student can go back for different opportunities clinically during the four years of medical school to that community. So that community gets to know them well. Mm -hmm. It's not... um, it's part of the the student does the same curriculum as everyone else, but they are linked to one community, mm-hmm. and so that community really gets to know you um, and build bonds. And the goal is hopefully that that student would become very familiar, maybe even want to go back to practice in a town similar to mm-hmm. that in the future. So it really is looking for people who have that slant towards working with underserved populations. You don't have to be. Um, going into family medicine or pediatrics. It's not only for people who are um, interested in certain specialties. It's for people who who could envision themselves working in a rural or underserved place. So mm-hmm. you could be a general surgeon and do trust. You, mm-hmm. inter- I guess I would say interested in general surgery and do trust. Or mm-hmm. you could be someone who's interested in going into OBGYN and doing trust. So it's for people who really have that underserved slant that they're interested and it sounds like these physicians are in these communities almost become like mentors. I mean, the, during the entire four years, it sounds like. So that's that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. The, what the students are really excited about is um, during during what I would say the regular curriculum, you know, you go from six-week clerkship to six-week clerkship. And so it's kind of like starting over every six weeks. So you have to learn a new electronic medical record in a new place. You have to have the staff and your preceptor get to know you and build trust. Um the students that are in this program keep going back to the same place for several of their rotations. And so they, they're already a known entity, and the students really talk about how much more um, ownership of their patients and responsibility. Obviously, it's still supervised at a very high level, but um, the community really embraces them. They become part of the community. And so it's just really a lot of engagement. Mm-hmm. They get a lot more engaged, and, and um, 
a lot of warm and fuzzies from it too. So. That's great. And so that's in the that's those are in the rural areas. But I know there's some changes on the on the horizon for for Whammy up in Moscow, which is where ostensibly uh, most of the medical students congregate. So what, what, what's what's on the horizon for Moscow? Yeah. So just to kind of give a quick uh, um, explanation. So with Whammy, everybody does their um, the initial basic sciences in their home state. Mm-hmm. And so in and that's our, like traditionally been the first year. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So yeah, for the past, you know, 42 years, all Idaho students spend their first year in Moscow mm-hmm. and then they go to Seattle for second year and then third and fourth year is a throughout the five-state region, however you want it. Um, Our curriculum is changing in 2015, so students will now be spending um, 18 months in Moscow, um, which will be the basic sciences. um, What is our current first and second year is going to be condensed into 18 months, and they'll be spending that in Moscow. Mm and so that's a big change in that uh, we'll now have um, more Go med- Moscow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, more medical students in that area, uh-huh. um, and uh, with more of an integrated curriculum, earlier clinical stuff. So a lot of lot of exciting things for that. The other cool thing is that students will be starting their clinical clerkships. Um, about six months earlier than they do now, which will give them a lot more time to do exploration of what sorts of specialties that they want to go into and feel like they really have a good um, background of experiences to help them when they make that decision. So with these changes, Dr. Baranaga, is it conceivable that uh, an Idaho student from Whammy would never have to go to Seattle? Um, no. Okay. At, you know, if you're a University of Washington, you know, okay. whammy student, you're going to spend some time okay. in Seattle. And so cr- with our current curriculum, students all spend second year mm-hmm. in Seattle, and then they can do as much clinical um, experiences in Seattle as they want. With our new curriculum that's rolling out in 2015, um, they we won't really have that second year that they go to Seattle for, but during the clinical years, there will be required experiences that everybody has to do in Seattle, mm-hmm. So, um, it, which is really important to be able to get that broad um, breadth of experiences. Okay. So you get your community setting and you still get that high-end quaternary care experience in Seattle. So so there will definitely be required experiences, but instead of sitting in a lecture hall, okay. it'll now be um, working on the wards doing clinical okay. stuff. Excellent. So uh, now I'm going to put you on the hot seat because I actually talked to some of our Utah students before I came up here. And I talked to, I mean, I talked to some of our Idaho students who are attending the University of Utah School of Medicine. And I kind of was talking to them, like, you know, a lot of you got into Whammy. Why did you come, choose to come here to the U? And the, mo- the biggest reason people gave me, I think it's a fascinating discussion because I think it's, like, one of the biggest differences between our program. And you kind of alluded to it. Like, Whammy is a five-state kind of geographical uh, coalition, mm-hmm. co- congregation, however you want to call it. And they explained to me that though they recognized that there is a lot of opportunity in that, um, a lot of them had families or were in serious relationships, and they felt it would have been very disruptive um, to kind of be moving every few months. Mm-hmm. In turn, and something I didn't anticipate, they spoke very eloquently about feeling wanting to feel very connected to their classmates. And again, they felt that would have been disrupted or been difficult to stay in t- contact with the friends, which inevitably developed during your med school days. And so I just want to kind of ask, talk to you about that, Dr. Baraganog, and, and see how you felt about that. And, and like, let's pretend, for example, if an, can an Idaho student really do all their rotations back in Idaho, or is there some sort of lottery process, or is it kind of randomized? Because they were saying to me, well, the, 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 the word on the street is you get whammied. When, you know, when you put down, I want to go to Boise to do my, uh, sorry, Boise to do my general surgery experience, and you end up in Anchorage, and 
kind of the fallout from that. So could you talk about that, Dr. Bernard? Yeah. Sure. What I would say currently, um, students have the ability to do three out of their four years mm-hmm. um, in Idaho. So they do their first year in Moscow, and then they can do their third and fourth year on what we call the Idaho track, where they're basically based in the Boise area, but they may do, for example, a clerkship in Coeur d'Alene or a clerkship in Pocatello, that sort of a thing. Um, you're right. At this point, people do have to move from their first-year site to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that very strong bonds form during that first year when they're with that sm- smaller cohort that lasts throughout uh, medical school. With the new curriculum, they're now going to be together for 18 months mm-hmm. um, in the Palouse um, and, and forming those bonds. And then it really depends on, to the, on the student. You know, There will be a few clerkships that they do in Seattle, mm-hmm. but if they do want to stay in Idaho for the majority of, of the rest of that, that's absolutely um, fine as well, too. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you can't get around the having to go and do a mm-hmm. clerkship in Seattle or if it's required, that sort of a thing. Um, but many, many students who really want a, a strong home base mm-hmm. um, do what we call that Idaho track. Okay. And so, and those, you know, that's very family friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, everyone who go, comes into Whammy comes in with the expectation that there may be, you some know, moves. some clerkships that yeah. you have to go around. And, and it may just be a six-week rotation that you have to go to Seattle for. Okay. Um, and that, you know, would be um, your housing is covered while you're there. So mm-hmm. you're not having to scramble and find a second apartment to live in while you're there, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So it sounds like there is some type of lottery or selection system. Because with Whammy, as big as it is, with all the different states involved, I think there are probably a lot of competing different interests. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And, Students, yeah. yeah. And I, I would say it's not really a lottery, but um, students rank their preferences. Similar to the match. Exactly. They rank their preferences. It's like a pre-match. It's like a mini-match. Exactly. And and then um, there's a very complex behind-the-scenes process that goes on that tries to um, match the students with as many of their top choices, and and I would say in general in general terms, most people are very satisfied with okay. their schedules, um, and you know, and sometimes you don't you don't get everything you ask for, so you may mm. end up in a in a uh, clerkship um, site that Barrow, Alaska. Yeah, and I apologize <laughs> to our Barrow, Alaska <laughs> listeners out there. Okay. That that may not have been their first choice, but I'll tell you, you know, all of the sites are very vetted. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wouldn't be a site if they didn't have outstanding teachers. And so it's interesting to talk to the students when they feel like maybe they weren't um, anticipating or yeah. enthusiastic. And they come back and they say, wow, that was like one of the best experiences I ever had. This is, this is a great discussion because I am like I love doing these podcasts, Dr. Baranog, because I feel like I learned myself. So kind of going down this path some more, are students allowed to trade? They're, and if so, is there sometimes like back – like? Money exchange because, like, I you know, I'm not saying this happens at University of School of Medicine, but I do know there's like, some, like we have so everyone stays within the Salt Lake area for the most part. But if you want to do an away rotation, like our, our Idaho students uh, do come back for family medicine and part of their internal medicine to Idaho, and a lot of our students come from all over the country, and so um, so there is a, a kind of a national, not not as in depth as Whammy is by any means, but I do know that when the lottery, like we have a similar lottery system, and there's some preferred sites with some preferred professionals professors or mm-hmm. physicians. I do know there's like a, like the med students are like, oh, can we trade, can we trade? And I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm just curious like how that, how that is handled here. So, you know, the, the students rank their preferences okay. and then, then magic occurs and everyone gets, gets, <laughs> the computer um, speaks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's actually, you know, it's all done by hand. Oh, you know, wow. we have a large class and our registrar's office puts a ton of work into it and it's all done by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there were two students who, you know, found that, you know, for example, during spring B, they both had pediatrics and they each one of them wanted each other's sites. Mm-hmm. They could go to the registrar. Okay, so it is and, allowed. 
out. And, okay. and ask, you know, hey, can we switch that? And mm-hmm. that, so that does happen. Okay. But what I would say is it's not something that the students just do themselves. The, the registrar is involved and in, in does the approval. Um, one part of that is, is there's different credentialing for different sites. So the switch would have to be, happen in a timely manner to make sure that that student was able mm-hmm. to go to that hospital. So, for example, in Idaho, our State Board of Medicine requires certain paperwork, mm-hmm. and it has to be done a couple months in advance. Oh, I know that paperwork quite well. Right, yeah. exactly. And so, you know, with the ca- so I, I guess what I'm saying is with that caveat that things are done ahead of time, so mm-hmm. it, nothing prevents the student from being able to actually start the clerkship because of hospital accreditation mm-hmm. issues okay. or State Board of Medicine. Excellent. And so, again, another question kind of leading up to it. Um, do, do Idaho students have to do the residency, or do they have to come back to Idaho if they choose to go to Whammy? No, there is no mandatory return. Can you talk some more about that? Sure, absolutely. So um, our students are free to do whatever residency program or whatever specialty that they want. Um, So we're really fortunate that um, they have the flexibility. Um, Idaho really benefits from the Whammy program because students get a lot of exposure to our state. And so we actually enjoy a very high return rate for Mm -hmm. Idaho students that go through Whammy. um, No matter where they go for their residency training, we have about a 51% return on investment, or I'm sorry, return rate Mm -hmm. of our Idaho students, that um, which is significantly higher than the national average for other medical schools. And in our medical school, there's also no mandatory return and our average is slightly lower but i think it's in the 40 percent. Mm-hmm. but still it's mm-hmm. it's pretty good yeah. and then i was actually looking at the data before i came up here dr baranaga and just graduates from our medical school be it utah residents or california residents 500 or so over the past two three decades have wound up in idaho so uh, i just think it's fantastic that the university of washington and the university of utah have a, a strong connection to this great state absolutely so. i think um Idaho, the state of Idaho is very wise to make these collaborative um, partnerships with um, Utah, mm-hmm. University of Utah School of Medicine and University of Washington School of Medicine. I think the citizens of Idaho really benefit from that. Okay, we have a few more minutes. Um, let's talk about your practice. You're a family physician, correct? Exactly. So I get asked a lot, Dr. Chan, like, how do I decide what kind of doctor I want to be? What, how do I make that big decision? So, you know, and always like, I always like love doing this podcast when I talk to different physicians. So how did you choose to become a family doc? You know, I was the kid in my class at the end of third year where I had loved everything, and um, it really came down to um, my advisor saying, you need to choose something now because you're not going to be able to apply to residency. Um, and so I think that – and I also knew that I really loved um, being having patient contact and continuity, and so – uh, primary care rose to the top for me. And I also grew up in a really rural place and I wanted the flexibility that if I wanted to live in a really rural place and practice that I could. Mm-hmm. So I knew that if I wanted to be a neurosurgeon, that probably wouldn't pan out if I wanted to live in a town of a thousand. And I actually ended up practicing in a very small town for 12 years before taking this uh, role with Whammy. So I wanted to keep my doors open um, without spending 10 more years in training. And so family medicine, and it's been a great ride. I love it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And, um, and I, I think... You know, I I love what you said, Dr. Baranaga, because I think you have to kind of sit back what you want out of life, what your strengths are, what kind of patient population you work with. And I consider – I'm not a family practice doc, but I did consider it strongly because I I love that, you know, you get to see patients from the entire lifespan and you develop those really powerful connections and bonds to them. And – um, to me, it's all about people, and it's about those connections, and that, that's what makes medicine beautiful. Um, I always have a saying, you know, like I think uh, 
you know, we are very fortunate to have attended medical school in an ideal world. Everyone would attend medical school and learn about how their bodies work and how drugs work and things like that. Uh, but we had that privilege, that honor, and I feel it is us to kind of communicate t- to them what we learned in medical school. And I can just, I think it's fantastic. You can kind of help someone um, see a disease, get better, just have these like, you know, these, you know, yearly ex- checkups, yearly exams, and I, I, I just, I just love that philosophy of family medicine. So you're nodding your head. Did that, does anything resonate with you? Or yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think um, the preventative part of primary care I love too because it's wonderful to see people when they're well, not mm-hmm. just when they're sick, and try to um, keep them from getting sick. So whether that's talking to someone about um, at a sports physical, you know. Um, the dangers of smoking or driving drunk or that sorts of things. You know, if I can prevent someone to start from starting smoking, I've just, you know, prevented years and years of chronic illness in somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can keep them from starting smoking. So yeah, I love that. I love that part of it. I love being able to prevent and treat. Awesome. Well, Dr. Baranaga, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I do. This, this is a new experience for you. Uh, and I look having you, I look forward to having you come back one day. All well, right. Thank you. This was really fun. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.